0: Japs blew the crap out of us at Pearl Harbor. Fire! So what now?
1: Ready to get out there again, Captain?
0: Yes, sir. I heard the news. Boy, right? Can't wait to meet him. He's nine pounds of and stomping dynamite. The Japanese are extremely disciplined. I President Truman has chosen you and your crew to lead a highly classified mission. You could save millions of American lives. I am your captain. You are my crew. And our survival is contingent upon functioning as one unit. Yes, yeah, sir! Our hero ship delivered the bomb in record time.
1: There's something in the water.
0: Submarine, sir. Still be out there. Let's go. You think it's just luck who lives, who dies? God help all of us when we face an enemy like that. We need
1: you back.
0: I'm not leaving you. Hello and welcome to The Complete Works, an in-depth look at the career and filmography of Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith. Joining me on this journey into the depths of true cagedom is my friend, co-host, and fellow cage
1: Mike Screechio. How you doing today, Mike? Today I am doing uh, just just swell, you know?
0: Yeah. Doing great. Yeah, Yeah. has been great. It, it's also... <laughs> What's, what? That's like your default answer, I think, at this point. You're always like, eh, yeah, I think it's just swell, which is masking, like, deep pain. Yeah,
1: you know, I usually try and think of some kind of funny response, but obviously I never come up with one, so I just land on swell.
0: Uh, <laughs> because it's a funny-sounding word. Right. You can make it seem like a joke.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think I realized I never ask you how you're doing, Mike. How are you doing? <laughs> you know? I have, that's That's not great. I have been waiting so long to hear you say that. It only took four years. <laughs> Normally, I think there's not enough time to ask this question, but right. today I think there is.
0: All right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm doing fine, Mike. I'm doing just fine. Although, Great. You, although you know, back in the day, uh, Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into her side. Chief, <laughs> 11, wow. 1,100 men went into the water. 316 men came out. Sharks took the rest. June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, you just
1: you're just doing the quint the quint speed.
0: <laughs> we delivered the bomb. Uh, yes. <laughs> I thought it was important to open this episode by quoting Quinn's speech from Jaws, Mike, because that speech does in about three minutes what this movie tries and fails to accomplish in two hours. In 2016, Nicolas Cage starred in a World War II drama called USS Indianapolis Men of Courage. The story of the ship that delivered the atomic bomb to Hiroshima was then shot down by a Japanese sub and left stranded in the ocean while its men were being eaten by sharks. Uh, now, Quinn's speech gives you everything you need to know. Like, that they delivered the yeah. bomb, that it was a secret mission the U.S. didn't want anyone to know about, that the men weren't rescued for days because of it, and, of course, the absolute terror of watching your friends get eaten by sharks one by one, knowing that any second you could be next. It is a powerful monologue, impeccably written, delivered by Robert Shaw in his most iconic performance, and it happens to be, you know, part of the, one of the most perfect movies ever made, so, like, there's that, too. <laughs> it's got that going for it. <laughs> Which is nice. Uh, now, theoretically... It shouldn't be hard for an entire movie to muster up the emotion that is at least on the level of a three-minute monologue.
1: <laughs> Hypothetically, <laughs> yes.
0: Hypothetically, that would be the case. But USS Indianapolis can't help but feel like we've already seen the story done better. Except we haven't. We just saw a fictional character talk about it for three minutes. <laughs> but, but that was still like a way better version of this story, you know? Yeah, yes, yeah. 100%, you are correct So, still, this was a chance to expand upon the story of the uh, USS Indianapolis As most viewers, myself included, likely only knew as much as Jaws tells us uh, and So, this film was meant to tell the story of the actual crewman aboard the ship And filmmaker Mario Van Peebles got attached to direct the film Now, Mario Van Peebles is the son of Melvin Van Peebles The uh, black exploitation film star known for a Sweet Sweetbacks Badass Song mm-hmm. Uh, But he's long been a working director in his own right, probably best well-known for uh, directing uh, 1991's New Jack City with Wesley Snipes and Ice-T. He's also an actor and actually appeared with Nicolas Cage once in The Cotton Club in a small role there. Look at that. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. Uh, Now, this movie was written and produced by Cam Cannon and Richard Rionda Del Castro, who also produced a little movie you might remember called Rage. And you know, Mike, despite starring in Rage, (laughs) he is still just Nicolas Cage. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I've heard that a few times now. Yes. Uh, so, of course, they were able to get their Rage star back for this one. Uh, Nicholas Cage plays the lead role of Captain Charles McVeigh III, and we've got a couple of cage reunions happening here, too, Mike. Uh, maybe you didn't even realize that there was uh, as many cage reunions as there are. I, I don't think I did. Yes. Yeah, so Enlightened Tom, me. Tom Sizemore, who appeared in Bring Out the Dead, plays uh, Officer McWhorter. Right. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Thomas Jane, who had a small role in Face Off, uh, pops up for five Holy oh, shit <laughs> Right? You forgot he was in Face Off But he is But he is He pops up for five minutes In this movie As Lieutenant Adrian Marks The pilot who finds The group in the water And James Remar Who had appeared In The Cotton Club also uh, Plays Admiral William S. Parnell uh, From there Matt Lanter From a- from NBC's Timeless And who is the voice Of Anakin Skywalker On Star Wars The Clone Wars uh, Plays Brian Smithwick uh, And side note This is the second time That Cage has starred In a movie with the guy Who played Anakin Skywalker <laughs>
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> All right? Yeah. So.
1: That, the verse is alive and well.
0: Exactly. So not really a cage reunion, but like a cage character reunion in a weird mm-hmm. way. It's an Anakin reunion anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, Smithwick is in love with a girl, but she's married to his best friend, D'Antonio, played by Adam Scott Miller. Uh, Brian Presley of the soap opera Port Charles plays Waxman. Uh, Cody Walker, the brother of Paul Walker, who helped finish his scenes in Furious 7 after he died, uh, plays Officer West. Uh, the director's son mandela van peebles appears as theodore uh the kid who's always writing down stories and sometimes narrates the film when cage isn't for some reason mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and finally max ryan plays wilbur Gwyn. he was also one of nicholas cage's criminal buddies in the movie rage and you know mike <laughs> despite starring in rage he is still just nicholas cage now you're catching on <laughs> i'm getting it <laughs> Uh, So the movie was written by Cam Cannon and Richard Rion del Castro and directed by Mario Van Peebles two years after his previous film, Red Sky, and two years before his next film, which is 2018's Armed, in which he starred in the lead role alongside William Fichtner. He'd also been steadily working in TV during that time, including shows like Empire Roots and Bloodline, and has appeared as an actor in a lot of things as well. Uh, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, was made for about $40 million and barely got any kind of theatrical release, and... Like, let's be real, it probably would have bombed anyway. Uh, Yeah. uh, No pun intended with the word bomb. Uh, (laughs) It ended up grossing about uh, $1.6 million total. Uh, Again, off of $40 million budgets. Not great. Uh, The movie was released on October 14th, 2016, and if you weren't seeing that, uh, maybe you were seeing that week's box office champion, uh, The Accountant with Ben Affleck. Remember that movie?
1: (laughs) I do remember that movie. You liked
0: that movie. I remember you talking about it. I think I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You could have also seen Kevin Hart's latest theatrical stand-up special, What Now? or the superhero flop Max Steel or, in limited release, the best Godzilla movie of the 21st century, Shin Godzilla, came out that weekend. Oh, how about that? Yes, there you go. Uh, The IMDb plot synopsis for USS Indianapolis Men of Courage reads, During World War II, an American Navy ship is sunk by a Japanese submarine leaving 890 crewmen stranded in shark infested waters uh so mike what were your overall thoughts on uss indianapolis men of courage
1: uh my overall thoughts were that this should have been a very uh tense thriller and like interesting historical drama just kind of about the backstory this top secret mission about them delivering uh the atomic bomb uh and you know the like you mentioned earlier, uh, like, you know, the, the sheer existential terror that would be watching your friends and crewmates uh, being picked off by sharks, never knowing if you're the one that's going to get it next. Right. Um, and instead, what we get feels a lot like a History Channel TV movie from like 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> And it's just, like, I don't know how there is such a lack of, uh, and emotion and just, like, any kind of connection to these characters. And I don't know if we ever really needed some kind of, like, emotional con- connection to these people. It tries to be this kind of, like, objective historical account of what happened. Right. Instead of making just open water in 1945, which, you right. know, remember that movie with just the two guys, two, like, the husband and wife stuck in the ocean Left behind on their scuba trip, and they just get eaten by sharks. Nice, uh, <laughs> and the movie's fucking terrifying. It probably cost them I think like ten thousand dollars or some crazy. Some it's one of those movies. Yeah, uh, and this movie is just like bad. Everything about it falls apart. Uh, the CGI is terrible. Oh my god, I, I I don't I don't claim to be any kind of shark expert by any stretch, but I did watch a lot of Shark Week growing up, um, <laughs> and they they kind of reference earlier at one point in the movie, like you know before the ship gets sunk. Where they're like, oh, the great white, the apex predator, and when we go, you know, Time size more Actually, has, like, a kind of funny, like, Time size more level like, monster movie dialogue, yes. monologue, <laughs> where it explains that, like, when man goes in the ocean, we drop to the bottom of the food chain. Right. Uh, and, you know, they show this weird full-color picture of, of, of a great white shark, which, like, I guess was a thing in 1945 right um, uh sorry right, they see that all, all the cgi sharks when there are shark attacks are just are great white sharks but anytime there's actual live footage of sharks they're not great white sharks uh so it feels very like uh you know there's no continuity there between what, it's it's like saying uh the lion the king of the jungle and then showing tigers the whole time uh you know like it's really weird right uh,
0: uh, or in this so, case yeah. tiger sharks
1: Sharks, right? Which, like, I would have been more fine with. It would have been closer. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's just, like, a hot mess. This movie is trash, based, Like, which is so unfortunate because this is such a, a, a wide, like, um, crazy historical event that happened uh, that is very interesting and scary and weird and, and or you know, unusual rather than weird, right? Yeah. Uh, like, this top secret ship got sunk and no one reported it because no one knew it was there and all this stuff. And like we just get this bad movie about it,
0: and I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, 100. percent It's bad. It's very bad. Uh, it's it a, is. It's. I mean, the CGI in this movie is some of the worst I've ever seen in my entire life. It's actually, yeah. it's actually amazing because there's a lot of it. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like it's only in one scene or whatever. It's like everything in the movie. Anytime there's wartime combat, it's CGI. Anytime there's shark attacking, it's CGI. The the shipwreck, it's all CGI, and it's all bad. It looks like. Yeah, you know, The CGI in this movie looks like, um, you know, when, like, a news station will do a reenactment of something. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, where it's, like, it's clearly, like, a once-over on the on the CGI screen. Like, it was rendered one time and sent yeah. and sent over, you know? It's uh, just the 3D box art and, yes. like, that's kind of it. And that's, like, what there's one moment where um, the Japanese are shooting the torpedoes at them. Uh, And uh, you show the torpedo lift. You see the propellers kind of start moving, and like it's—it looks terrible. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I couldn't believe somebody signed off on that. Uh, It was bad. It was really bad. Uh, Yeah. But on top of that, like yeah, everything in this movie just—it lacks tension and it lacks you know character and it just has a very weird structure. Like, it takes way too long to get to the point where the boat sinks, right? And yes. then the boat sinks, and it looks like that's going to be the rest of the movie. And I checked the timestamp when that happened, and that was about the 50-minute mark. And then, But the movie's like two hours and ten minutes. And I was like, I don't know if I'd trust this movie to do a full hour and 20 on just this. But they, yeah. but they don't. Instead, they get rescued with like 30 minutes left to go. <laughs> Right. And then and then there's this, like, separate movie that gets tacked on to the rest of this. This movie could have ended at, like, it seemed like the way it was structured originally. Like, when it, like when you spend that first 50 minutes, you're like, okay, and now the rest of the movie is them trying to survive, trying to survive the sharks, get rescued, end of movie. Uh, right. But then you know, the movie continues, like, 30 minutes after that to show, like, the court-martial of Nicholas Cage's character and stuff like that. And uh, it, there's interesting territory there, but, like... Like it's just—it feels like it's tacked on to the end of the actual movie, you know. It's like a weird yes. epilogue, uh, and like it, this movie could have been structured in a way where it was like if it just started off with the ship sinking, and it, like the first hour was the shark stuff, and then the second hour was the court martial stuff. That could have been actually pretty interesting. But the way it is, just I don't know. Like it, you don't like it tries to make you care about some of the characters, right? Like the love triangle going on between. Uh, D'Antonio and uh, Matt Lanter's character, whoever his name was. Uh, um, But like, I don't know, just none of that. Like, it's all very basic wartime stuff. You know, one guy's like, I think it's Tom Sizemore who's like, oh, I just had a son and he's he's like nine pounds and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, we get it. (laughs) Like...
1: (laughs) Yeah, it checks off every war movie, like, checklist. Like, oh, you got the officer that actually is unfit for duty and only cares about himself. You got the guy who just had a baby. You got the love triangle. Right. You got the unlikely racist guys that like have to overcome their different like you know the black guy and the white guy that have to overcome their racial differences yep. uh to to survive this incredible situation and, like and it's just like you get the one guy the priest you get the chaplain who's blessing all the body like you just get like it hits everything yes and it's just Bad about laugh. <laughs> it, like yeah. I just, I wish it was good in, on some level, and it's really not. I don't think. Yeah,
0: and it's a shame because it's a fascinating story. Like as yeah. as, as part of like U.S. history goes, like this is a, a section of U.S. history you don't hear about that often. Uh, so it's you know kind of ripe for a movie adaptation. Really, the only, as far as the mainstream public is concerned, like Quint's speech from Jaws is the definitive account of this. <laughs> Yeah. this thing and it, like with good reason because I mean A, Jaws is one of the best movies ever made and B, that speech is an all timer it's one of the it's one of the best scenes ever
1: At noon the fifth day Mr. Hooper Lockheed Ventura saw us he swung in low and he saw us he a young pilot a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway he saw us and he come in low and three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up you know that was the time I was most frightened waiting for my turn I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest. June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb.
0: The way I first heard about the story of the Indianapolis was the classic monologue that Robert Shaw gave in uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, Jaws, this uh, wonderful blockbuster, and uh, I was so impressed at the drama that Shaw was able to convey just with his words. He, he put me in the ocean with those those sharks and the way he would talk about the screams of the other sailors. and and uh, the way he ended it with, well, anyway, we delivered the bomb. I mean, that had a huge impact on on my psyche as a young man going to Jaws. And I wanted to learn about it, wanted to know about the tragedy but you know but it's a fictional character recounting <laughs> recounting a real event and it's like all right uh maybe we could do something that maybe we can actually do something that actually kind of to the real event in a real movie but this movie just doesn't cut it it does not do a good job with it uh but it kind, yeah. of, it kind of reminds me actually of wind talkers in a weird way because wind talkers was kind of the same deal where it's like this weird um chapter of the world war ii history you don't hear that much about and the movie just completely whiffs it on like every level
1: <laughs> yeah i almost appreciate that it tacks on that court-martial stuff because that was stuff I didn't know anything about, and right. led me to to go like just go to Wikipedia and read the like actual actual quote unquote uh, <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> the Wikipedia I, account. Yeah, I did the same thing, and that's very interesting that you know he's the only uh, captain to ever be court-martialed for the sinking of his ship, right? And, uh, and it seems to be because they needed somebody to pin the secret yeah. mission on and all a this stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that you know president clinton uh exonerated him like wiped his record clean uh after right. like posthumously and all this stuff um and that's very interesting it's just it's it's bad <laughs> in this movie and i think it's because we just it doesn't earn anything like that like i just no. don't care about these people they're all just kind of generic man as a right. character yep um, so like you said, I don't even know what their names are for anybody. And I just watched two hours of it. Right. Like literally finished it 20 minutes ago and I don't remember
0: what any of their names are. Yeah. I mean, I know Cage was McVeigh and I know that, uh, yes. the New York guy was named Antonio. And the only reason I, the only reason I know that is because, uh, I couldn't, I, I don't know the actor. So I had to call his, I had to write down his character's <laughs> name.
1: So that says enough, I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, speaking of Cage, I mean, obviously he plays the captain of the movie, he's of the ship. He's the star of the movie. Uh, what did you think of Nicolas Cage in USS Indianapolis, Mike?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, he's doing like an okay job. It's nothing, um, exciting at any level, I don't really think. You know, it's not, it's no real freak out stuff. Yeah. Which this could be ripe for, right? Like this is people stranded. I mean, I guess it's, it's a historical account. So he's kind of trying not, you would think you would be aware of that and not do that. But you know, these guys, uh, dehydrated, you know, exposed, hallucinating, people are hallucinating all over, and he's just kind of the stoic captain, you know, take care of my men thing yes. going on. And, like, I get it. That's probably how McVeigh, uh, the actual captain, was, right? Um, right. It's just, like, not engaging in any way. <laughs> and it's it's weird that, you know, I, I normally don't, like, yearn for the cage freakout. Uh, I'm just, like, happy when it happens, right? It's right. Like, I, like, oh, what a, what a treat Mr. Cage has given us that humor. I, th-
0: I think it would have been really weird if he had to freak out in this movie, I will say. I just... Yeah. No, I know. <laughs>
1: that's, that's where I'm going. Um, it would be very weird, but nothing else is happening in this movie. that I'm like, please give me something. Like, please do anything. <laughs> right. Have him, like, punch a
0: shark in the face or something. And
1: right? Like, have that be... <laughs> And they even have that, they include the interviews from two survivors at the end of the movie, actual survivors, and one of them says if you punch the shark in the eyes, they would go away.
0: Right. Like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that in the movie?
1: Instead of just cutting to CGI shark jumping straight into down the lens of the camera... Yeah, uh, and then uh, we cut to splashing because we can't. There's nothing actually happening. On,
0: <laughs> on set. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would say t- I think Cage is solid in the movie. I think he's uh, you know he gets to be the authority and he's not really yeah. given anything compelling to work with, but he makes it work. It kind of. It reminds me of his stuff in like World Trade Center and that kind of thing. Uh, right. You know. So I was I was into his performance uh, and to his credit, I mean, he actually met up with uh, one of the survivors of the uh, of the event uh, while they were filming the movie. It's kind of getting more of a sense of uh, all that you know, at all the stuff that they went through. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's definitely uh, something. That he Like, he did his research. He tried to do the best he could with this. Uh, and Cage sometimes serves as the narrator of this movie, uh, and sometimes he doesn't. It, the movie kind of forgets every once in a while that it has a narrator. But it opens with, like, a scene of Cage kind of talking directly into the camera about war and about, like, the nature of war, uh, which is a little bit of Lord of War in there, but, like, it's right. a very different perspective that this character has. Uh, but I, it really made me think, and this I guess this segues into... Um, the, my other question which is how this has this role fit into the roles that we've seen Cage play so far it really made me think of Best of Times in a weird, <laughs> in a weird way uh, you know Cage has this monologue about war in the beginning where he's speaking directly to the camera and you know the scene in Best of Times that I always come back to for some reason it's that scene with very, very young Cage probably like 19 years old having a very similar monologue where he's talking directly to the camera about going off to war and right. it's just it, it feels like you know that was 35 years before this movie right like an era of an entire like an entire lifetime has passed since right. since he made that movie uh, since he made that pilot episode of a tv show and did that monologue and now he's here doing a very similar monologue but from a de- very different perspective too right where now he's yeah. like the captain of this uh, of this naval fleet uh whereas in that he's just like some kid who's off to war kind of thing i thought that was really it, like it's i think it'd be really fascinating to watch both of those clips back to back and see how they play
1: yeah, that is a very interesting connection to make. I never even, I did not even think of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, why would you?
0: That was best of times. It was like five years ago that we were. <laughs> that we yeah, but that I episode. do remember that that
1: both of us like highlighting that moment as being like the best part of best of times. It's so good. It's so
0: powerful. Yeah, yeah, and it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's such a goofy TV pilot, and then there's that one real dramatic monologue
1: where he's like kind of putting on this macho thing, and then he breaks down. And yeah. I, I remember all that. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, you know, I, I don't really have any other. I couldn't really think of any other uh, connections right away. I mean, I guess Wind Talkers, obviously, because it's another World War II movie,
0: right? And that, and that also includes like, Racing with the Moon, which is pre World War II. Captain Curly's Mandolin, as well.
1: Yeah, it's true. Tempo, Tempo de Inchidere? Is that that, World
0: War II? Oh yeah, I think that is World War II, actually. Now that you mentioned it, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Look at that. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Cage playing a real life character again, much like World Trade Center, the Frozen Ground, or just the last movie we talked about, Snowden. But yeah, otherwise, no. You can really, fit, you can easily slot this into Nicolas Cage's career. I mean, it's another uh, it's another you know kind of crummy direct DVD movie. That's directed to video. Yeah. Movie, I guess at this point.
1: Yeah, I guess it's because it's it's just so middle of the road. Uh, yeah, you know, there's nothing, uh, no one particular aspect that would say like, oh, this is just like, you know, whatever other movie, Mm -hmm. um, having only spent 20 minutes thinking about this movie
0: (laughs) uh, since I finished it. (laughs) Oh, did you just watch this today?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Struggling. Uh, so yeah. I don't. What, what about you, Mike? Did you have any other uh, film connections? Or no. Right I mean, character? I
0: mentioned Best of Times, and we did World War II, and the late, the real life ones, and yeah. I mean, that's that was pretty much it. I feel like I, you know, as far as Cage's career goes, he's played the authority figure a few times at this point. He's played the soldier a few times at this point. Like he, at this point in his career, Cage has pretty much done almost everything. You know, except play yeah. Superman, obviously. Uh, <sighs> Which, stay
1: tuned, I guess. Stay typically. tuned. That
0: does happen at some point. Not the way that he wanted it originally, but it does happen. <laughs> uh, are there any moments or scenes in USS Indianapolis that stand out to you, Mike?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a moment uh, towards the very end of the movie. Well, not the very end, but uh, in, in that like th- last act uh, during the court-martial moment or sequence or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Where... Um, I think when we get some narration and he's like, you know, like overly dramatic where he's like, for some, the war was just beginning or whatever. Yes. Uh, and it kind of – and the phone rings or whatever and it's – I don't know who it is. Somebody's saying my baby boy and then he has like a PTSD flashback. Right. The bedroom is full – the ocean and Tom Sizemore's. uh character jumps out of the ocean like grabs him and pulls him off his bed and pulls him down into the water and yes. it's like frightening and scary and i was like man where was this the other hour <laughs> and 50 minutes this movie's been going on yes because that's kind of what i was expecting slash hoping for was this kind of like weird thriller horror movie because that's what this is it's a horrifying event yes uh, and instead we get this kind of boring objective view instead of this weird cerebral horror movie that i kind of wanted right
0: i mean yeah well that's the thing that's what i was saying um you know the movie ends with mcveigh years later killing himself which he actually did at the age of 70 uh but it doesn't do nearly enough to get us to that point emotionally other than like a voiceover that says like yep he was sad and also eventually his wife died and then he killed himself uh (laughs) but the real mcveigh you know suffered from mental problems and ptsd for his entire life after the mission before eventually committing suicide at 70 and this movie barely scratches the surface of that uh, and like I said, you could cut the entire first hour of this movie. Like you don't need it. Uh, if you would, and you would also be cutting the subplot with the, um, the love triangle subplot too, which, you know, that, yeah. that would be a good, good call. Also, uh, this, so you can cut that entire first hour, uh, start this thing with them on the boat getting attacked. Right. And, you know, kind of through exposition and like, you know, dialogue and conversations explain what their mission is and that kind of thing. So you know what's going on, you know, the stakes have them, have them get sunk. Have the first hour of the movie be them trying to survive in the ocean with the sharks and everything, uh, and then after that, spend that entire last hour just dealing with Cage and his PTSD and the court martial going on at the same time. That would be interesting. That would be a movie. Yeah. Uh, and instead, all of that is wedged into like the last like twenty five minutes. Uh, and it's it's just rushed right through. It's it's season eight of Game of Thrones comp- <laughs> compressed into <laughs> compressed into the last half hour of this movie.
1: Yeah, it's very strange too because they also sort of like gloss over the fact that they like accomplished their mission. They deliver the bomb, yes, and they're on their way home or on their way to the next mission assignment or something when they get torpedoed. Right. So it's this very strange thing where like they're not. It's not; they're not left to uh, die. Basically, they're not abandoned for four days or whatever. Because it was secret, it's because of like bureaucratic oversight at that point. And like, according to Wikipedia (laughs) now, uh, and they touch on it the tiny bit in the movie where like they managed to get an SOS signal out as they were sinking, and they have that one guy at like you know at the harbor who's like, "Well, maybe it's a trap from a submarine. Forget it." Yeah. Uh, And they never talk about that again. About and uh, according to the article of the Wikipedia thing right. uh, it was like three or four other people, like a, another ship, uh, uh, two other ports or something, heard this rate distress call and nobody answered it and the guy at the port where they were supposed to arrive never reported that they hadn't arrived. Right, so, because like, it was a
0: secret mission so it's like, it's not something that you were supposed to do or something like whatever yeah. kind of thing.
1: It's like some weird bureaucratic oversight thing that these guys were out there for four days. Yes, uh, and it never touches on that, and it just kind of like feels like it comes down on the side of the guy in the very beginning of the movie who's like, "War is business, and business is good for
0: America." <laughs> and it's like, is oh, that
1: really the take you want to have no, 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 for this movie? How,
0: how great was that like conference we've seen at the beginning though, where they were like talking about it, and they were like, oh, "I think we gotta we gotta move forward with this thing," and the one guy's like, "Wait, are you guys talking about the atomic bomb?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, just to make it clear what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, there's no way nobody in that room would know what they were talking about. So it's, like, just clearly for the audience. Like, just in case you didn't realize, the atomic bomb and the Hiroshima, that's all involved with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of times where, like, there's the moment uh, also when when they give Cage the, like, you know, assignment where, like, you're going to transport this bomb. Uh, where they're like all sitting next to a guy welding having a conference and like right. i don't understand how they're all just keep looking at the guy welding without having their <laughs> eyes melt um, but anyway they uh they, he like you know he's like you're gonna be transporting some precious cargo and cage is like is this about the manhattan project and it's like how the fuck would that guy know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I as far as my understanding is, <laughs> the Manhattan project was as top secret as top secret can be. Absolutely, yeah. How would this ship captain guy know? <laughs> um, and uh. then, and then uh in the moments where we go to the Japanese uh subcommander guy, the subcaptain, and he like talks to himself, they have the, he, like they have this thing where he's like talking to it. I don't know, it feels very kind of problematic where he's, like, talking to his ancestors or some shit. But he's like, you fear they have the bomb. It's like, how the fuck would that guy I know? <laughs> like, there's a line with that, and, like, I don't understand. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that.
0: He's actually, like, you're hearing the dialogue from his dead father or something like that, like, in that scene, yeah. right? It's super weird. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, at first I thought it was like because it's like echoey and metallic, and I yeah, thought I thought, maybe, it
0: was, I thought it was somebody in like another room talking to him or something.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I know they have they had like uh, communication stuff where it was like literally just a metal tube, and yeah. you were talking to one end, and it would you would hear it at the other end, and I thought that's what it was, and then it like pan, you know it does that thing where like he's looking in the mirror, and it, the camera pans slightly to the side, so you see only half of his face, and then half of like this very old Japanese man behind him right? and you're like oh this is he's hallucinating or whatever's going on Yeah. Um, so yeah it's very weird and it happens a bunch and they even you know I don't know it's it's, odd this
0: movie's weird it's very very weird and uh, yeah we should talk about the love triangle a little bit also just because I want to get it it out there the whole whole thing between Matt Lanter D'Antonio and the rich blonde girl I found it hilarious just everything about it Uh, the way she and D'Antonio dance one time and then they're immediately in love with each other
1: (laughs) I don't know about you but I think more war movies should have extended swing dancing. Sequences. I
0: honestly loved that sequence, like because <laughs> it was just it was a fun little swing dance thing. Like why not? I didn't. Racing with the Moon have something like that too. Like wasn't there like a big swing uh, dance number? Or, I don't
1: remember. I, I know there's. Like, I think there's a dance number.
0: I think there is a dance number in that movie, which isn't a, which isn't really a war movie. It's just about like you know kids growing up, and that it fits a little bit more into that movie. But this one just like randomly just like you know. Three minutes, just a big swing dance number. It's like, you know, these four or five girls and this guy from New York. They're like, yeah, we're just swing dancing. Right before that scene, Matt Lanter and D'Antonio are talking, and he's like, hey, uh, I, I'm in love with this girl who lives in this house. And he's like, cool. And then D'Antonio and that girl dance one time, and they fall in love with each other immediately. <laughs> yep.
1: And Smash then, cut to him proposing.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and then the best part of this love triangle, which I love, it's, you know, it, you see Matt Lanter throughout the movie, and the movie keeps flashing back. To show Matt Lanter as the third wheel on their dates, like mm-hmm. a lot, like at the movies or just walking through town, or at the you know the the ice cream parlor or whatever, uh, and it, he like, why are you still hanging out with them, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like,
1: just holding out hope, I guess.
0: I guess, but like he, he was clearly miserable, <laughs> like in every one of those flashbacks, and it's like, man, like what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I those like that was really funny to me. That was just like, dude. Come
1: on. Yeah, and then he drops drops the ring, and, like, the other guy picks it up with the guy with the glasses. That's, right. like, a gambling bookie or some shit. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, yeah, and he, like, wants to sell the ring. And I don't know. It's very weird. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care about any of these characters or the story. Just yeah. fucking give me shark attacks, man.
0: Exactly. That's what we're here for. Um, but then, yeah, D'Antonio does die uh, in the uh, during the mission, and so Matt Landry goes back, and he proposes to the blonde girl, and uh, he... Is that, like she's pregnant with Antonio's baby, but he decides he'll raise it, and everyone's happy. It's Antonio's dead, but everyone else is happy, and that's yeah, the point. Yeah, <laughs> like it all worked out, right? It all, I mean, it all when worked you out. Think about it. Yeah. Uh, so, with the shipwreck, the actual sinking of the ship, what did you think of the, that whole sequence?
1: I mean, the um, horrible CGI notwithstanding, <laughs> it's like pretty, it, it was pretty good. It, you know, I say good, uh, it, exciting, or however you want to put that, um, intense. You know, we, we're kind of showing. Um, you know, we, we spent some time in the engine room earlier with Tom, Tom Sizemore and his weird, like, uh, sailor superstition with the, the dove that's actually a pigeon and, like, yeah. a, you know, all this stuff. Um, so, like, that was fun like or intense to watch that happening and them getting, you know, getting burned on the floor because of the fire on the floor, sh- the deck beneath them and all this yep. stuff. But it just looks, like, so bad <laughs> uh, when we, sh- when we <laughs> see the, like, actual ship outside. Like, when we go outside the ship and we're, like, looking at the damage and, you know, the ship kind of breaking apart. Which very conveniently breaks apart right where the brig is so those guys can get out of their, their prison cell. Um, yeah. and, and there's a couple of moments in there that were intense, like, scary moments with the sharks. I kind of doubt sharks would be, like, chilling at the shipwreck with explosions and stuff. <laughs> but there's the moment right. when Cage, in particular, uh, gets thrown off the ship by an explosion and he lands in the water. And uh, this kind of shark kind of comes out of the darkness into frame and, like, bumps him with its fin. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And just, like, and you only see, like, a quarter of the shark, and it swims back out of frame. And it's like, whoa, holy shit, like, because that's just, like, on a primal level is scary. (laughs) Um, But I wish it did more stuff like that, you know? Like, where it had these kind of sharks lurking in the depth. And and it happens a few times. It's like it kind of spoils that moment, right? Because there's a couple other people that, like, get launched and thrown into the water, and you see a shark swim by... Um, But I still like the one where it, like, actually hits Cage. Right. Yes. Um, But, yeah. I mean, for for the most part, it's a shipwreck in the most generic (laughs) terms, you know? Like, it doesn't do anything special or... It also, I think, directly apes Titanic like two or three times. Like, shot for shot, yeah. straight up
0: apes Titanic, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that's what I was going to say. This movie this movie gave me a renewed appreciation for Titanic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because the actual sinking of the ship, yeah, kind of rips from that a lot. And, uh, you know, even Titanic involves CGI. There's CGI oh, in yeah. Titanic. But you never once question in Titanic that there's an actual ship there, you know? Like, even yeah. if there are parts of it that are CGI. Like, there was a set that was built for Titanic and stuff, and CGI was assisted but like it looks amazing like it's one yeah. of those things like I've seen I haven't seen Titanic in years but I saw it I think the last time I saw Titanic I went to the 3D re-release of it when it came out in theaters in like 2012 mm-hmm. uh, which which commemorated the 100 year anniversary of the actual sinking of the, of the Titanic and um, yeah it's it looks incredible it still looks amazing like you watch Titanic and you're like wow that's like, that's how you do a shipwreck, you know? Like Like, yeah. that entire last 45 minutes of the movie, and that's the whole point of the movie, too. Like, that's the whole right. point. Like, that's what you're trying to get to. Uh, there's no sharks in Titanic. This was meant to be a shark movie. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I mean, this was meant to be a World War II, like, kind of historical documentary drama sort of thing. But, like... You know, at its heart, it's a shark movie it, oh yeah, yeah, in you know in its own way, but yeah, but with Titanic, I think you just watch that movie and it just looks so much better, and it's you know, I mean James Cameron's a master filmmaker, so like it, it's it, like it's gonna look better, yeah, uh, but you know, and then you get this movie, and it's like, oof, man, you can you can really feel the budget on this one now huh? like it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the moment during the shipwreck where they you know the ship goes vertical, right, um, and there's the guy hanging off the railing. And his, like, one hand comes off, and they show yeah. someone else fall, and you're like, wait, what? And then they cut back to the, guy, the same guy still hanging on. Yes. And you're like, oh, he grabs back on, and then someone else falls, and you're like, wait, what? And they cut back, like, they keep, they, like, drag that one dude falling out so long. And then just to do the same thing... That they do in Titanic, where he falls and bounces off the whatever he bounces the, off of—the of.
0: rudder or the propeller or whatever—yeah,
1: yeah. something I forget. But in Titanic, you're like, "Holy shit!" They actually threw that guy off the boat. And <laughs> right. In this, you're like, "Whatever." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just exactly. looks—it almost a couple times. Like there's certain explosions and like j- j- uh, shark attack moments that look like they're out of. Uh what's the guys that do Sharknado? I can't remember the name of that the, studio. The Asylum. Uh... The, yes, yes, yeah, Asylum. <laughs> that like almost hit that level of bad CGI. Oh
0: yeah. 100%. I think this movie is definitely in that range of CGI. <laughs> yeah.
1: And there's just so much of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem.
0: That is really the problem because yeah, I mean it's so much of it is effects driven with the sharks, with the ship, with the warfare, the combat, like everything just looks bad. Uh you know, it looks real bad. But uh, I will say the funniest moment of the movie oh? uh, to me is um, when the guy is like about to puke, and he's like, and <laughs> the guy, he like, um, I think it's Matt Lanter. Is like, uh, like he's about to like go over, and so Matt Lanter's like, no, nah, puke over the puke over the side, <laughs> like puke in the water. Yeah, uh, and he's like, the guy like goes over the edge, and just immediately shark just jumps out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eats the guy, and it's like, oh shit, Matt Lanter's responsible for that guy's death. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, <laughs> so it's super weird too because earlier, like right after the shark, or shark, right after the ship sinks i think it's like the morning after uh there's like all these guys hanging out on like that one giant like piece of deck right it's the wood like they're all hanging clinging to this wooden debris and there's like eight or nine dudes all there we get that i think it's the first time we see that shot of the great white jumping out of the water with its mouth open and like straight at the camera yeah because that's the it's the same exact shot that happens every single time somebody gets eaten by a shark in this movie yes but it's, like, also the end of Jaws when the shark jumps up onto the boat. Because yes. that's exactly what that the shark does. I was like, I don't think a shark would do that. Like, I don't think it would launch itself onto the wooden planks. Like, I don't understand. Uh, it's very weird. And then it just eats somebody, but we never see anything because this movie doesn't have the budget to show that. Right. <laughs> um, so it just it does shaky cam, w- w- red water. Uh, Everyone yelling and splashing, and that's it. Pretty much,
0: yeah. Uh, Also, some of the shark foreshadowing is pretty great too. I I especially love this one point where they're on the ship or whatever, and uh, the camera pans over some shark teeth ominously. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was uh, you know, it was very silly, but it was like one of those things where it's like if you're gonna go like you know, kind of B movie exploitation on this, like I'm down for that. Yeah, you know, I'd rather get like a really good version of this story, but if you're gonna go B movie sharks, like i'm down for that but this movie kind of goes like somewhere in between uh yeah and it's like trying to, it's trying to do kind of both and it never really accomplishes either Um yeah
1: that's not really something you can just like tip your toe into i don't yeah
0: think. <laughs> um but yeah it was also, there was also a moment um and i'm not sure if you felt this way too but it seemed like cage died off screen for a second right did it seem like that to you um, there's, there's, like, one moment where Cage is, it's on Cage, and he, it's nighttime, and he's, like, tired and exhausted, and then it cuts to the next day, and you see, um, I forget who it is yelling at the soldiers, um, but uh, the soldier says something like, it's like, all right, we gotta do this, we gotta do this, and uh, the one guy's like, what about what the captain said? And the guy says, like, the captain is dead! or something and yes. i was like wait what did cage die <laughs> like off screen <laughs> uh and i was very upset about that but then he was back a scene later so i was like oh i guess he didn't die all right <laughs> um, yeah
1: so that's the um the shitty officer that only cares about himself
0: okay yeah
1: saying that so and also like they're in separate groups and i probably i'm only saying this because i just watched it
0: because <laughs> yeah. this movie's not very memorable i watched it like two days ago so yeah it's already leaving yeah. my yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, so, like, they're kind of all separated from each other, so it would make sense that that... Or, not make sense, but, like, they're saying that that one uh
0: Like, if he guy, saw Cage get, like, get knocked off by the explosion earlier on, or you saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He would assume
1: right. he's dead. Yeah. But also, that dude... Like, I don't understand why anyone listens to him, right? Because he says, like, there's been an island sighted over that direction. And you're like, no, there hasn't. Nobody's left this spot. Like, where did that guy get that information from? And everyone's like, okay, yeah. Or not everyone. But, like, a bunch of guys swim over to his lifeboat to paddle with him in the direction of the island that he claims to have been reported about. Right. Like, wait, what? And then those guys come back later at the end. And only one of them's alive. And all the other guys are dead, still on the lifeboat.
0: And he's right.
1: like, "Do you remember that?" Like yes. ca- the chaplain swims over to him um, when he comes back, and the guys like, "They're all dead. There's sharks everywhere." Ah. And it's like, "But why? Are they- they're all still
0: on the boat. Like, <laughs> they're, just, they're just dead on the boat." Well, all the, sh- all the sharks jumped up, took, yeah. took a bite out of their jugular or something, and then. <laughs>
1: killed them by heart attack and, <laughs> <laughs> and he battled back alone yes uh so there's like no logic going on in this movie no definitely not there I is one one shot oh sorry go yeah, were you go ahead oh uh, that really i liked a lot actually um where it's, like, kind of towards the end before they get rescued and it's one of the cage narration moments where he's, like, we started – people started losing their minds and, and there's this one guy who's, like, carving the side of the uh, life raft. He carves a piano key or key – you know, that thing and he starts, like, playing piano along with the soundtrack, which is lame as hell. That's not the part I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then it goes, uh, like uh, – The shot of the camera above him looking straight down like bird's eye view and he's like being circled by a shark while he's like miming the piano. Yes. And I was like that was actually really cool and weird and effective Um, but then nothing else in the movie is anything like that. (laughs) Direction wise or cinematography wise.
0: I want to give it credit for a couple of nice touches actually. I like that it showed the newspaper article about the mission um, towards the end uh, yes. and that it was just, like, this tiny blurb at the bottom of the page. Like, you know, it was a big, like, the headline was like, World War Two is over kind of thing. And yeah. then, like, at the very bottom of the page, it's like, oh, and the ship, uh, <laughs> like, sank and a bunch of soldiers died.
1: Uh, <laughs> like 900 people dead. Though. Yeah, and I,
0: I, and I love that it, did, that it showed that, and it showed that it was just a tiny blurb. It kind of emphasized that this mission was just immediately buried and treated as, like, a footnote in American history. Um, right. So I appreciated that, and I liked that. I also liked the scene at the end uh, between Cage and the Japanese soldier. Right, after, yeah. the, after the whole... Um, you know, testimony thing and Kay just found guilty at the court martial. Uh, and they kind of had this moment of understanding where they're both like, as a man, I did my duty kind of thing. And like, you know, right. I, I did what I was meant to do and you know, I have regrets, but I needed to like, I needed to do what I needed to do. And you needed to do what you needed to do. It was very last samurai. Um, yeah, <laughs> was, and I'm only saying that because I watched Last Samurai like two days ago. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was very uh, like similar to Last Samurai in the way that Ken be kind of talks to Tom Cruise and stuff. So yeah, just the thought, thought. I, I like that scene a lot, and I thought that was a good and interesting scene. And Cage plays it very well, uh, and it kind of shows the two ideologies kind of facing each other. And like, it was just it was nice. It was a nice moment of understanding.
1: Yeah, yeah. In a movie that is just filled with like. or or a lack of characterization or forced characterization right yes uh that that seemed like a kind of genuine moment uh between these two guys that like former adversaries that regret that they had to be adversaries and all this stuff
0: yeah um but yeah otherwise uh i just want to quickly mention thomas jane who uh waltzes (laughs) into this movie (laughs) for for about five minutes uh, with a mustache, chomping on a big cigar, <laughs> and, yeah. and I immediately wished I was watching a movie about this guy. Like That, oh, that was a character sure. I wanted to follow. <laughs> like, he was great.
1: Yeah, now, Thomas Shane is great in anything where he just gets to like have a swagger. Yes. Uh, and he for sure does in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so that was the last thing I wanted to bring up, Mike. Is there anything else in the movie that you wanted to uh, touch on before we move on to Netflix, box Reviews?
1: Um, not really. I'm still just, I'm so disheartened. I just can't get over the fact that they had one job and it's to just use the same type of shark, <laughs> <Or> like <laughs> like I, I don't. It's like they blew all their money on the the like the the shark attack CGI and yeah. the guy was like, "Oh, you didn't say great white," <laughs> and they were like, "Well, we gotta use it. That's all we got." <laughs> it's like I don't really? understand how that happened.
0: Yeah. But anyway, I will tell you, this movie really made me want to watch Jaws.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've been thinking a lot about Jaws recently, actually. Not just because you, we
0: we're reviewing this.
1: No, no. Uh, I think just probably in general, I'm always yeah, thinking I'm always,
0: about Jaws because yeah, Jaws is the best movie ever made. <laughs> Correct. It is.
1: Well, now. I've I, I've been thinking a lot about like my first, uh, trying to recall like the first horror movie I've seen, and I think technically, if you want to call it a monster movie, Jaws would be the first horror movie I saw. Yeah,
0: and that's probably it's up there for me too. It'd either be Jaws or maybe Poltergeist, but Jaws was definitely one of the first I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and so. It's, yeah, it's the
1: best. That's all. That's all. What a great movie! I let's
0: do Jaws. Let us, let's do Jaws again. Let's just let's yeah. let's just do a podcast where we watch Jaws every episode. <laughs> to tell
1: me if you want us to do that. <laughs> tweet, tweet to us with some clever hashtag about Jaws.
0: Yes, uh, that I can't that, think of. that we can't think of right now, but you can think of it and <laughs> rally all of your other friends to, to use that same hashtag for the Jaws podcast that we are Correct. theoretically doing. Uh, yeah, Jaws is great, man. It's been it's been about a year since I've seen it. I should watch it again. Yeah, uh, we black. saw
1: it at the draft house.
0: Yeah, we saw it at the Alamo draft House, 35mm, 4th of July. It was a, it was oh, a good time. Man. That was the last time I was at the Alamo Draft Drafthouse before I left for uh, Montana, actually. Wow.
1: Yeah. Can't, I got to be a part of your film journey there.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. That's a tangent that we really need to get into, get into <laughs> on the podcast. But the, the moral of the story is Jaws is great.
1: and Yes. As I, a better Indianapolis
0: story than...
1: <laughs> The movie.
0: Exactly. The uh, USS Indianapolis Meta Courage, it is no jaws. Uh, and, now, and now let's move on into uh, some letterbox reviews. I got a three and a half star review here. This one's from 2017, uh, just before the release of Dunkirk. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Um, it's a three and a half star review that reads like this I like Christopher Nolan, but the trailer for Dunkirk looks very, very boring. And now that I've seen this vaguely similar seeming movie, I have even less reason to be excited for it. Like Dunkirk doesn't star Nicolas Cage, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. and it
0: and it probably doesn't even turn into a shark attack movie halfway through. <laughs> USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, does, and it was still just barely good. So Nolan's chances are looking pretty bleak.
1: <laughs> I can't This has to be a joke, right? That's this gotta is, be.
0: This is before Dunkirk came out, man. Who knows? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, but could you imagine if Dunkirk starred Nicolas Cage, though? Like, if if instead of Kenneth Branagh, Nicolas Cage was in Dunkirk.
1: (laughs) Doing a British accent?
0: Yes. (laughs) that would be great. I would love it so much. Uh, Here's a half-star review of US Indianapolis, which reads, uh, Feels like if the Sci-Fi Channel made a World War II film, and no, Nicolas Cage doesn't even make it so bad. It's good. It's just really awful. Also, the cinematographer for Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction shot this film, (laughs) which is a shame, because this film's cinematography was ass (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I almost refuse to believe that i, I, I,
0: I looked it up and it is 100 true
1: holy uh, shit yes uh
0: yeah that is a he also shot rage by the way and you know <laughs> despite starring in rage uh or despite shooting rage he is still just the guy who shot rage, rage he is still just a um <laughs> mm, he tried it didn't work as well uh here's a two-star review of uh, USS Indianapolis which reads "Uh, I watched this for school but I was highly disappointed that Nick Cage never once got to battle a CGI shark yo same (laughs) I know, Uh, same what we're all thinking Uh, here's a one and a half star review of USS Indianapolis which reads "Uh, this is not a good movie nor is it a good bad movie as you might think slash hope from the combination of Nick Cage, The Toms, Sizemore and Jane (laughs) and director Mario Van Peebles Uh, What it is, is a bad movie that wants desperately to be a good movie. Basically, it's uh, MVP's Pearl Harbor. Uh, I should note that it's, it's much worse than Pearl Harbor, since even bad Michael Bay films can at least be visually interesting. Uh, the sad thing is It's based on a true story that deserves a good movie The sinking of the USS Indianapolis Which had just delivered America's two atomic bombs To the Pacific where they could be deployed against Japan By a Japanese submarine It, it even does the thing at the end with interviews of the actual survivors The way a good movie based on a true story does uh, <laughs> Here though There's no real way to relate the real people To the characters in the movie For one simple reason, the writing is atrocious In his review at RogerEbert.com Glenn Kenny wrote so much of the dialogue is so bad, and the situations so hackneyed, and the question of what would a World War II movie written by Tommy Wiseau sound like, oh. <laughs> in case you've ever asked it, is being answered. <laughs> I'm not going to say any better than that.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tommy Wiseau's World War II movie, which honestly, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's there. Uh, and finally, got one last one. It's a one-and-a-half-star review of USS Indianapolis, which reads, Quinn's speech from Jaws? Roughly 32 times shorter and 100 times more satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh,
1: just watch Jaws.
0: Basically, just watch Jaws, which is not just advice from this podcast. That's good for all of life.
1: <laughs> you got a problem? Just watch Jaws.
0: Just watch Jaws. Your life will be better as a result. Uh, so, yeah, neither of us are big fans of USS Indianapolis. We were big fans of Jaws. So, Hot that's, that's the conclusion that you get from this episode. Mike, where can we find you online this week?
1: You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter, and I think also at MD Film Blog on Letterboxd.
0: That is correct. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. Thanks. I know, Thanks for knowing. I am more sure of it than you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd and at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter. Uh, you can th- uh, thank you for listening to the complete works. I'm Mike Smith. That's my pre-show. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or even if you're not, make sure to rate and review us. Five stars would be great, and tell people you know about the show if you can. And pretty soon, Rapture Press is going to be launching, and you'll be able to find the show there too. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so by emailing NicholasCageCompleteWorks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, on the next Complete Works, Nicholas Cage reunites with his Dying of the Light director, Paul Schrader, uh, hopefully with better results, uh, for, oh for, for a movie that pairs him with Willem Dafoe. It's called Dog Eat Dog, and I've heard pretty good things about this one, actually.
1: Really? I remember yes. when this came out, I think.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll see how that goes. Plus, keep an eye out for the next Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, where we're going to be talking both Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Dark Phoenix. Now, we've both seen Godzilla at this point, right, Mike?
1: Yes, we have. Okay,
0: and neither of us have seen Dark Phoenix yet. Um, Correct. But my forecast for the episode will be one of depression. Uh, for... yeah <laughs> yeah just like I'm not mad I'm disappointed yeah we'll, I mean we'll see how it goes but uh, yeah Godzilla and Dark Phoenix both of those coming next week from my, my code in the movies uh, thanks so much for listening guys and thanks for getting in the cage